This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I think I really had internalized the the kind of rule book or the the milestones that you're supposed to go through. So, you know, I was like university, get a job, meet someone, you know, get married, buy a flat together, have a baby. These are like these markers. Um, And so, yeah, getting divorced and realizing, oh, actually like none of those ticking, none of those points off actually um, amounted to what I wanted or, or made me happy was really a liberating feeling because then it was just like, well, you know, anything goes. You're listening to the Alonement Podcast, hosted by me, Francesca Spector, author of Alonement, How to Be Alone, and Absolutely Own It. Each week, I interview an inspiring new guest about the time they spend alone and why it matters to them. Ultimately, at the heart of every episode is one central question. What turns solitude into a positive, fulfilling experience? Because when alone time isn't lonely, it's alonement. My guest this week, Kate Wills, is a travel journalist, columnist, and author of A Trip of One's Own, Hope, Heartbreak, and Why Solo Travel Could Change Your Life. Her debut book is a memoir that follows her life after a divorce in her early 30s. In the aftermath, Solo travel becomes a means of escape and reinvention for Kate, who travels the world alone, from Tel Aviv to Shanghai, while she tries to make sense of the huge changes happening in her life back home in London. At the same time, this book is a love letter to the female travellers throughout history who inspire Kate to take those trips. We hear the story of American journalist Nellie Bly, who travelled across the globe in 72 days, together with 18th century sailor Jean Barrett, who disguised herself as a man in order to become the first woman to circumnavigate the world by sea, and many more equally incredible stories. Kate's own narrative is one of many twists and turns not just in terms of where she's travelling to, but also, spoiler alert, how her life changes so quickly over the course of the book, finding new love and becoming a mother by the end. 
What stood out for me about Kate's story is that so much can change so fast. And if you can lean into these expanding moments of self-discovery during each life stage, no matter where you are in the world, then that's a worthy journey into yourself to take. A Trip of One's Own was published earlier this year while the UK was still in lockdown and travel of any kind was off the cards for a while. I know that I spent many a deep dark night in lockdown reading her book and feeling like just for that moment of reading I'd been transported across the world with her. Thankfully the travel situation has now improved to an extent and Kate's book is a much needed reminder of the joys of exploring the world or even just your local area alone and finding the courage to do so even in the most challenging of circumstances. Anyway that is enough from me let's get started with the episode. I really hope you enjoy listening. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's really great to finally get to speak about your amazing book. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm such a big fan of alonement as a concept. I feel like I've been doing it for years, but I never had a good (laughs) word for it. So thank you for coming up with it. Well, Kate, I think, I mean, we've all had a pretty insane 18 months, but I think your your 18 months sort of takes the biscuit. So we were chatting at the pre-interview yesterday. In the space of, I think you were telling me six months, your life completely changed. So the action in the book, at the beginning of the book, it opens, you are newly divorced um, in your early 30s. You are embarking on this solo traveling. And, you know, that's sort of that's a coping mechanism almost and that's that's the way that you're sort of navigating that time in your life within the space of six months you then got together with your partner guy you've had your daughter Blake your life has completely turned around so I think that we have quite quite a lot of scope to talk about alonement in all its guises but you know I just wanted to take us back to you know that stage when you were solo traveling so just to uh, do that awful thing where I'm going to read your own words back to you, <laughs> which uh, you say, whenever I meet people while traveling solo, the most common response is, you're brave. It was similar when I told people I was getting divorced. The truth is that I've never felt particularly brave while traveling on my own. I felt stupid, disorientated and embarrassingly ill-equipped like the time I tried to hike the foothills of the Himalayas in flip-flops, but never really brave. Bravery is when you're scared of something, but you do it anyway. Travelling for me isn't scary. It can be hard, but most of the time it's too rewarding and exhilarating to dwell on the fact that you're doing it solo. But going through life alone, as I was now, that felt truly terrifying. What was it for that kind of aloneness that was so much scarier for you than solo travel? Mm, It's a really good question, because I think even though I'd been um, in a relationship for 12 years and we were married, we'd we'd always been quite independent. So I was used to sort of doing things alone and and having some alonement. But now to be doing that single without that kind of um, 
safety net, I suppose, in the background that a lot of people feel they get from a long term relationship. Um, that that felt really frightening. And, and plus to be doing it in my early 30s, which really felt like a time when all my friends were doing the absolute opposite. You know, they were all settling down and having babies. And and I was kind of like really out there on a limb um, going down this very different path. And, you know, I just felt like I didn't know what that path looks like. And, you know, there weren't many, many role models really for for kind of being divorced young it's something that's not really talked about so yeah it did it did feel like quite a scary place to be that's interesting because you know talk of role models you speak about a lot of amazing female travelers historically in your book and you know I think that that I think that's a really nice element of it because it does it like it normalizes the idea of solo travel as a female you know it gives people I always think you know you can't be what you can't see and it gives people something to point out throughout time so you felt perhaps more isolated in the aloneness of being single immediately, whereas solo travel, was it the case that it was, even though it was maybe scary, it was normalised? Yeah, that's a good point. I think um, probably probably a little bit of both in that also when I, when I was solo travelling, I kind of didn't really have to think too much about where my life was at back home. You know, you're kind of removed from all of that and and you're kind of having having this escape and all these distractions um so yeah to be to be at home and not traveling and and single and kind of trying to figure out what I wanted my life to look like was maybe the hardest thing of all how did because you know you you'd done solo travel so long before that you you know you were a travel journalist and so that was something you were really familiar with how did that help you to process this new kind of more scary aloneness yeah I think that all the skills that you get from traveling solo have have come in handy for for like a few different points in my life that have been hard really um you know going through a divorce was one you know having a baby in the middle of a pandemic was another um you know any any kind of points in life where you're at risk of feeling really lonely um the things that I've learned from from my time solo traveling have really helped. Just things like, you know, being being kind to yourself, um, celebrating the small wins, um, you know, not expecting things to go exactly to plan, and just sort of being flexible. Uh, they're they're just kind of good good skills to have in the toolkit for for all times. I think not just traveling alone. Mm. Yeah, because your book is it, it gives so many great practical tips for traveling alone Uh, and it's interesting to think that they can be applied in a sort of I don't know that practical philosophy can be applied to a life stage as well Um, but you know I I guess that there is there is sort of no manual in in one sense to being alone as a I don't know as a as a woman in your early 30s you know as anyone in your early 30s but there is more of a pressure I think on women yeah absolutely and I think that um yeah you're right there is there is no manual or or how to guide and 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 sometimes at, at times in my life I've really wished that there was but I've kind of desperately been been looking for that and you know you you read the magazine articles with the the top tips and and you think oh you know how am I how am I going to get through this am I doing this right you know but but actually you kind of realize that you know, everyone's different and and does things in a different way at a different point. So 
sadly there is no user guide <laughs> to life you just kind of have to to figure it out as you go along yeah and you use a phrase about not having a someone and that was the difficult thing to navigate going through life not having mm. a someone and so how how was that different formerly when you've been on solo travel was that person always sort of was it like a practical thing? Was it being knowing you had someone at the end of the phone? Or was it more of a general sense that actually I'm not alone in this, even though I'm a solo traveller? Mm, I think it was definitely both. Um, even even if, you know, it wasn't that we were connecting, you know, all the time on the phone. It was just a kind of inner, inner sense that there was there was someone back home waiting for me or, you know, just just someone. I think I've I, like a like a lot of women. I've always kind of had had a kind of a someone. So, you know, I've leapfrogged from relationship to relationship or you know, there's always been like someone I've been seeing even when I was single. And this really was the first time in my life where there was just like nobody on the scene romantically. And and that was just an adjustment that, that you know, just a kind of shift of of my brain really to kind of um just think okay I'm just I'm just focusing on me it is just me and and actually that's fine I think it made me feel a bit a bit lonelier at first like there's always highs and lows of of solo travel one one travel journalist I know calls it the extreme sport of of traveling because you're just like in at the deep end the highs are really high the lows are really crushing so yeah those those low moments I definitely felt them a bit harder but then I also kind of felt the the kind of the liberation and, and the freedom of solo travel, which I'd always felt before. This time I really felt it more intensely because, you know, I, I was completely free and alone and could be absolutely selfish in a way that I hadn't for a long time. On So on your travels in the book or, you know, more widely, when was the moment when you realised, like, actually, this not having a someone could possibly be a good thing, a positive yeah, I think a lot of my friends were, were really supportive and, and were kind of saying, you know, I wish I'd had more single time and you're so lucky to have this this freedom and um, and alonement, really, we, even though we didn't know that word back then. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of I tried to really, really listen to that because I kind of deep down knew that they were right. Um, and I'm so glad that I did have, you know, that even though it was quite a short space of time really in the grand scheme of things I'm so glad that I had that just just to have that um that kind of break really from from serial relationships and just to really um just to really focus on on me and what it is Mm. that I wanted and was there a particular moment when you were traveling that you felt that I mean I suppose a a trip that I took to Israel and Palestine that was like the, the first kind of trip that I'd done after moving out of the the home that I'd shared with my ex and um that that was a really difficult trip in a lot of ways because it wasn't a particularly easy place to be um at the at that time and um yeah but I just had such a fantastic experience there and and really kind of threw myself into you know meeting new people and doing whatever I felt like doing you know I just I, I often think back to that trip actually when I'm now you know with a baby and life's very structured and I just remember like leaving my hotel in Tel Aviv and thinking I've got absolutely no plans I know nobody here I'm just going to wander around and you know sometimes I'd you know go into a little cafe and then I'd see like a shop that caught my eye and it was just it was just complete bliss and um 
yeah I just kind of I'm so I treasure those those moments now I think I remember speaking to you actually um at your book launch um for a trip of one's own which was an absolutely amazing uh feat because I, I remember that was just just after the lockdown restrictions were easing and it was an amazing um literary tour of Bloomsbury we did it was like an adventure in itself but I remember having a conversation and you were saying that you know little bits of this travel you was able to sort of retain them almost like in a memory bank for this time which I think is really interesting yeah yeah that's that's kind of actually a quote from from Freya Stark who was one of the brilliant explorers who I I talk about in the book but she kind of says when you've when you've had these experiences they kind of still glow in your glass that you can kind of cool them up at will when you need to and I think maybe a lot of us have had to do that these past 18 months you know when we haven't been able to to maybe have the freedom that, that we've wanted you know I've, I've certainly had my mind cast back to you know really amazing summer holidays or or great house parties or you know it's funny where your mind goes to when you're when you're spending time alone at home yeah it, it reminds me of um it reminds me of when I had Connie Hook on the podcast and she was saying that she she's almost her alonement she said you know for her and I, you know I do think this is possibly quite rare I think for a lot of people they they kind of want moderate moments of it throughout in you know their routine but she was saying it was very much a life stage she you know having she had two young sons under the age of 10 I think and having that she's actually okay to have little to no alone time right now um but because she had so much stored up which I thought was quite interesting yeah I like that idea kind of like building up a reserve of it like a bank that you can call on when you need it maybe I I have a in that case that I have a a pretty uh healthy deposit in the bank of um of alone time (laughs) I still, I yeah. still need it though I still need it regularly <laughs> yeah and so I wanted to get onto this because of course you know we have talked about how much your life has changed in a very short space of time and you know to start with has that been overwhelming at all how does it feel having it's a completely different identity in a lot of ways now yeah yeah it is crazy and and you know they've got some some friends who I'm because of pandemic and various reasons I haven't actually seen in person since my wedding so you know since that time I've got divorced met someone new we moved in together and now we have a baby so yeah it's it kind of makes you really aware of um yeah how how fast things have changed but that's also something that I I love since the book is that I get so many messages from women who say oh like you're you know I'm, I'm getting divorced or I'm I'm going through a breakup and you your story has made me realize that things can turn around really fast and mm. um yeah when when you're kind of in in the depths of despair and your your life isn't sort of how you pictured it I think it feels a million miles away but actually you know these things are often kind of they, they can happen fast is what I mean yeah and would you I don't know it's it's funny we always talk about doing things on a certain timeline um and you know I was interviewing someone for uh for the alonement website um a couple of weeks ago who's become a solo mum and she was saying you know we expect life to work on a certain timeline and we expect it to work in a certain order and it had been quite liberating for her to realize you know for her she obviously it's different scenario to yours but she'd 
decided to have a child by herself and but she still very much wanted to meet a partner later on uh, mm. and I don't know is, is that is there a liberation in that I suppose having maybe all, all this happened a bit faster than one might have expected and happening post-divorce and... yeah def- definitely I think I really had internalized the the kind of rule book or the the milestones that you're supposed to go through so you know I was like university get a job meet someone you know get married by a flat together have a baby these are like these markers um and so yeah getting divorced and realizing oh actually like none of those ticking none of those points off actually um amounted to what I wanted or or made me happy was really a liberating feeling because then it was just like well you know anything goes and and it was kind of all up for grabs at that stage and you know having a baby alone was something that I thought about and um, you know, yeah, like you say, we, me and my partner were, you know, we didn't know each other super well when we embarked on, on parenthood. So that, that kind of felt a bit risky and, um, and, and, you know, not, not how I expected life to turn out, but there's something great about that too. Having, having discovered that you could have that independence, that you could do it without a someone, how does that feed back now that you are in, you know, the more conventional setup. It's been so important for that, actually, because I think when you when you are in a relationship, it's still really important to have that alone time and to have that sense of self and identity. I think all too often we can kind of merge with the person that that we're dating or married to and um, lose a bit of ourselves in, in the process. So, yeah, that time alone has really really taught me the the kind of importance of, of still carving that out and you know I, we actually call it like Kate time and guy time when we, have, <laughs> like, we like put it like in the calendar that like this is what I'm going to be doing on this evening and you know it might be taking myself out for dinner or you know it might be going to a yoga class and yeah even especially when you have a baby I think you, you know you're either with the baby or you're at work or you're seeing friends you're 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 sort of not often given that chance to have that alone time as well as that time just as a couple so yeah I think it's really important to to protect protect those kind of um yeah sacred sort of moments in your life yeah yeah because I think it's interesting because we were chatting about this we were chatting about how it there's so much more to navigate I mean I very much relate to the book because when you know when I'm reading well the most of it before before obviously you and Guy um end up together you know then I I relate to that stage of life where you are sort of I I use the word untethered but that makes it sound like too objectively one state and I think it's you know but you don't have to factor in anyone else necessarily at that stage when you are single when you are effectively alone for all intents and purposes especially when you say you know when you're solo traveling and you don't really have so much to think about in terms of commitments to others so I mean it it sounds like a a hell of a lot more of logistics to navigate quite quickly into your life Um, and how 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 would you advise someone to 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Do that, for instance, if they are entering into new parenthood and they're not used to having this. Mm, yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I think that um, it's, it's so important at, at any stage, but especially new parenthood I think um it it is literally about scheduling it I remember um a sex therapist once told me that she advises new parents to schedule sex and obviously everyone's like oh that's so unsexy but I think it's the same with with your alone quality alone time you know it doesn't just happen spontaneously when you're um when you're in a couple with a baby life's just so busy so unless you do you know consciously make an effort and and kind of book it in and and make a plan um then you know it might it might not happen so yeah you do have to be really strict strict with yourself and with each other and and keep to it so what does your calendar look like do you, do you have a shared <laughs> calendar situation like I can't <laughs> love the sound of the it's schedule. very retro yeah it's actually a, a, like a wall calendar <laughs> and um yeah we just kind of write on it and, and block it out in big letters Kate time, guy time, and then you know, ideally, there's some time for Kate and guy time. But um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just healthy, I think, in in a relationship to have your own interests and things to talk about when you come back together. Um, it's really, it can make things really stale if you don't, and you, you know, you're just in each other's pockets and you're just watching box sets all the time. You know, I think that's what what keeps the spark is is you know having the oxygen of of your own life Mm. and had you and I'm sorry if this is too 
um it, you know this, this is too much of a uh, probing question for your previous relationship but had you had that before because you know you were together for 12 years so I I can imagine that being together from quite young there's some more degree of crossover yeah absolutely it's funny because we we did actually have quite independent lives I think because we had got together so young and we we had you know we were like 20 when we met so the people that we were at 20 was you know not the same as 32 and we'd kind of gone in quite different directions so to kind of necessitate that we had been quite independent but then at the same time our lives were completely enmeshed you know his family was my family our friends are the same friends um you know we shared a home for many years um so it did feel like a huge kind of wrench to to separate myself from from that kind of yeah like it you know it was it was like life life shattering really like it was like you know the 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 majority of my adult life really had been with this person so it was a huge kind of um schism in in me and and kind of almost like rethinking who I was without him Mm. yeah and I think there's um there's a study I reference in my book I think it's a professor Erica Slaughter she talks about how you actually when you get out of a relationship your sense of self is so heavily affected because you know you do you do share it quite a lot with someone else and that's that's the really difficult part that sense of you Mm. Do you think that's there's any true. getting around that, though, having been in a 12 year relationship? I don't. And it is a difficult part, but it's also an amazing part of, of a breakup is that you suddenly it's like, oh, blank slate. Like, who do I want to be now? Like, what's the next chapter going to look like? And it's rare in life, I think, that you get these big moments where you get to redefine yourself. So I think it is difficult, but it's also um, it's also a real blessing. And that's another thing that I actually love about solo travel is it is like a mini opportunity to do that if you go away without your friends or without a partner or without your family is that like you know no one where you're going actually knows anything about you so you you can be whoever you want to be and and um yeah it's kind of like a little little taste of of a of a reinvention every time I love that because I mean I'm sure you get the whole you know eat love eat pray love sort of references to your to your book of course you know they both start with a breakup you go on this journey of self-discovery I almost like what you're saying that self-discovery doesn't have to involve a breakup you can sort of hack it with solo travel that's such a good way of putting it yeah I'd never thought about it like that before but I think it is quite a quite a nice (laughs) a nice way to get the benefits of a breakup all the crying and uh, yeah heart, heart. um yeah that's that's cool like yeah that. well I don't know I mean I I love breakups I mean I hate them they 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 are awful and as you say world chattering but retrospectively I love breakups because they've always led in work they've always led to the big things um you know we both our books both start with breakups actually so um yeah <laughs> yeah clearly clearly there's something in that yeah the thing isn't it all the all the songs that are written about breakups all the books are written about breakups they are very um creatively fruitful at least (laughs) honestly yeah travelers as well I think so that's the other thing they have in common yeah it's that um that Carrie Fisher take your 
broken heart and turn it into art but but yeah I um so I wonder if if we're if we're if we're going down this sort of solo travel being a sort of pseudo breakup reinvention opportunity thing what would you advise as part of that what do you re- you know how do you reckon you get that sense of novelty and and reinvention and mini self-discovery from mm. solo travel mm, that's a good question um I think you really have to kind of just throw yourself into it, just kind of dive into it. There's no other way. And and accept that, you know, there's there's gonna be some some bumps along the way and that that they're almost part of it. They are part of it. And um so kind of be really sort of accepting of it all and just and just really kind of be in your feelings. I think it's so easy now. We've got so many distractions and you can just kind of um you know get on your phone or you know we don't we don't really like to to feel the negative things. You know, we don't like to feel lonely and angry and sad. And so you know we'll do so many things to avoid that. But but actually that's you know that's how you get the really rich and, and meaningful experiences in, in travel is you know when when things go wrong and when you you know end up really out of your comfort zone with with everything kind of falling apart (laughs) so I think just to yeah just to kind of just welcome it all the good and the bad when Mm. you're on on a solo adventure so to feel the loneliness definitely I think that's a big part of it and there's such a sort of shame and and stigma to to feeling lonely but actually you know it's it's no different to any other emotion and it's a really important one because it's telling you okay you need to be around people or you need to make a connection with someone in some way um you know it's like if you were hungry or you were thirsty you know it's that kind of need um for me anyway so you know your your feelings are your are your teachers you know that sounds like such a yogi thing to say but it's true and um you know we shouldn't block them out any of them you know we're so we're so conditioned you know it's, it's funny having a daughter now I've been reading a lot about parenting and you know it's so common to say oh don't be sad to children or don't be upset don't get angry you know because we we don't we don't want to feel these like icky and and maybe um you know unacceptable whatever that means emotions but but we have to we have to mm. Yeah, I completely, I completely agree. There is that weird, particularly loneliness. I don't know why there does seem to be particularly a stigma around loneliness, which I personally find kind of offensive because, uh, you know, alone, alone, it's, it's like aloneness and, you know, the downside of aloneness is so much worse than even, I don't know, I personally really hate confrontation. I think that a horrible sort of hairdryer throwing argument in the <laughs> I reference that because I've, I've, I've I heard of a couple that that happened with but they're perfectly fine now but yeah hairdryer throwing arguments um Ouch. can be yeah. yeah yeah can be can be way worse than loneliness so you know it, at least it definitely throws you it's 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 interesting that loneliness is sort of uniquely feared and you know I wanted to ask about your experience of loneliness because I don't know people often associate it with being physically alone which you very much have been in a travel sense but would you say that that the two do go together for you or would you say loneliness is something different altogether yeah I think it's something different actually because I think you know you can feel lonely in a party full of people 
and you know you can feel lonely in the wrong relationship um much lonelier than I felt being single or being on my own traveling you know it, it is just kind of all about um having those meaningful connections with people when you don't feel like you're having those um in fact another example is like when you've just had a baby like you're never on your own you've always got this other person with you the mm. entire time and yet you know those have been some of my loneliest um days really because you know you're just not having that that um that meaningful interaction in in the same way as you you were used to so it is it is just all about the the strength and intensity of of connections with with other people and and that's why there shouldn't be a, a stigma to to loneliness it's just a sign that you you need to seek that out mm. and so with new parenthood what is it about new parenthood because you know I hear this so often the lonely loneliness of new parenthood and I think that mm-hmm. as someone who doesn't have children it, it's hard to it can be hard to relate to sometimes because you don't I suppose understand what that might be like so you know what is it specifically about that period that makes it so lonely yeah I think it's um it's just the fact that you are sort of spending a lot of time alone because I guess you know your baby isn't like isn't the the greatest conversationist (laughs) in the early days so there's Mm. and and there's you know they're sentient but they're like they're not great chat put it that way so you're spending a lot of time with this with this non-speaking person um and you're you're kind of yeah and it's not like and you can't really practice alonement because you're with this baby probably Mm. doing things that you don't really want to do for the whole kind of long long lonely hours of the day you know it's like I would I would love nothing more than to spend a day alone if it meant that I was reading a book, doing yoga, doing, you know, X, Y, and Z. But because it's like, oh, I'm just sitting in this playground, pushing the swing repetitively for what feels like hours. But, oh, God, only two minutes has gone past. How can that be possible? Mm. Uh, that's, I think, where the, the loneliness kind of comes from. It's just, yeah, it feels like you're just, yeah, it just feels like you're kind of in a bit of a bit of a void um, of stimulation and um, meaningful um, connection I would say. Thank you that really that's really enlightening I think to understand because I think sometimes there's I don't know I think the idea of and, and bear with me this might seem like an old analogy but the idea of always being distracted by our phones for instance I think that there can be a sort of at the end of the day you feel sort of dissatisfied with it because you haven't quite connected with people but you haven't Mm. quite focused on a task and I suppose the way you're describing that it's it's like that weird yes void as you say it's like a halfway house almost between actual meaningful connection but not because you're not alone you can't describe yourself as alone Mm, I think that's really perceptive, actually, because I think that's exactly what it is. And I think that the phone stuff is so insidious because we kind of trick ourselves into thinking like, oh, I'm being social because I'm on Instagram. But but we kind of still come away feeling empty. And 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 that's that's the same thing is that like you're, you're kind of feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm not on my own. I'm with my baby. And it's it's you know, it's really full on. I don't get any time to think. But then also afterwards, you're kind of feeling like, oh, I haven't I haven't actually like nourished myself here at all. So, yeah, I think they're weirdly similar. Mm, yeah. 
how does that alone month that you give each other that guy and Kate time respectively help you and also what form does it take Mm, oh my god I just think it's so crucial for for actually every aspect you know intellectually it's important because you know you're you're stimulating your brain and then you're coming back to your partnership and you're telling your partner all these cool things that you've learned and that's great and then it's also you know physically like for the passion and and the kind of sexiness of a long-term relationship I think you need that time apart or for you know your partner to to go out alone and get dressed up and be meeting people and for you to kind of like look forward to seeing them again Mm. all of those things are so important um and it's it's different for both of us you know guy guy will get up at five in the morning and drive down to the sea and go surfing and like come back before pre-baby before I'd even woken up now I am awake um whereas for me it's like my alone time is a lot more today it's like oh I'm just gonna like potter to a cafe and maybe like sit and uh, read the New Yorker that's just like my absolute heaven um so yeah it looks very different for for each of us I would say but it's it's yeah it's really vital yeah that's really it's interesting I think it is a very distinctive thing and also even you said that guys are 5am <laughs> you know not that's I think that we have this weird thing where we I think it's LinkedIn culture where we'll read, oh, you know, people have this morning routine around getting up at 5am or doing this or that. And there's that sense of trying to have that one-upmanship around alone time and those habits. But actually, it really is just what works for you. Even within a couple, you can be so different. Yeah, completely. I know you're an early riser as well, but I'm definitely an evening person. It's all just about your your body clock isn't it so yeah I think it's it's weird how we are like people I feel like people who are morning people are often quite smug about it like as if it's like (laughs) superior and it's like it's just it's just different there's like no no kind of um no sense that one is is maybe better than the other although perhaps you are a bit more productive if you're a if you're a morning person with like an amazing routine I don't know I've never managed it myself so I couldn't tell you (laughs) I don't know I think so much I speak to so many different people about this and you know everyone does it in such drastically different ways. I think that's the really interesting thing on this podcast. You know, I interview so many successful, brilliant people like yourself and people will say so many different things about their alonement. And the main thing is how it feeds into making them them. But you can't really, I suppose you can't really know how to spend that time unless you've done the self-interrogation of what works for me. Mm. Yeah, I think that's why we're so fascinated by other people's routines as well, aren't we? And and habits, and um, you know, you kind of think, oh, like, could I be, could I be making mine a bit better? And um, yeah, I think I think it is very revealing. It's actually very revealing, isn't it, when someone kind of tells you how they how they choose to spend their their time. You know, the minutiae is is uh, is 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 where uh, we really reveal quite a lot about ourselves. Yeah, I think that's really true. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't think it. You almost want to think that, oh, we're more than, I don't know, the two boiled eggs we have for breakfast or, you know, the run that we do at lunchtime or what, whatever. But actually, we're not. <laughs> we it's so funny, isn't it? And people get obsessed, especially with writers' routines, right? It's like, oh, like Dickens, like got up at seven and ate like three kippers or something as if you're as if by doing that, you're then going to write like Dickens. It's like 
it's quite weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would be a very very strange one um yeah I don't know if kippers are quite as popular now as they were in Dickinson. no I I completely made that up by the way that's definitely <laughs> oh did you oh well I, I do know I and I have retained this fact so maybe this is something for it you know he did used to eat lots and lots of oysters back when oh. oysters were fast food effectively oh okay so it wasn't far off in the yeah kind of- uh, area but yeah you know what I mean that was just a random example that came from my brain <laughs> I feel like everyone pours over famous writers uh habits don't they and routines but it's kind of it's kind of fascinating and, and amusing and um to completely be a hypocrite on what we've just said what is your writing routine because you know for any for any writer I know that that's a big part of their alonement and you know I know it probably has changed a lot since you were writing the book to you know now I know you recently wrote your first uh, short story for Papier so which is congratulations on that that's amazing how how does that time work out for you now Mm, yeah it's very different now and it's it's funny because another another kind of myth that you hear a lot is that you have to write every day like I'd always hear that and then I think you can feel a bit like, oh, I'm not a writer because I'm not writing every day. And, you know, the reality for most people is that that's kind of not um, not possible. But, um, you know, I, I go through different phases, like sometimes like when I'm with, doing the book, I, I set myself like a word count that I have to hit each day and that's helpful and then other times it's like done on time. I'm like, OK, I have like this two hour chunk of time I'm going to put my phone in another room I'm going to turn off the internet on my computer and I'm just going to write um and sometimes I won't actually write at all in that time I'll just be thinking which also I think is fine um so yeah I think it just it just really depends on on what it is that I'm writing and um where I'm at but I think you just have to have the you know the fewer distractions the better really um and so yeah however you can you could find that I like what Elizabeth Gilbert says actually about how you I don't know if you've read Big Magic but it's great and she kind of says oh you should kind of think of your your writing or or whatever your creative thing is as kind of like your lover so you're like having a little affair and you're just like squeezing it in you know like five to seven like the Paris (laughs) thing you know I think that is really true because if you kind of like sit at your computer all day being like I'm gonna write all day you really lose the kind of joy for it whereas if you're like oh I could like sneak in a little 20 minute paragraph it's kind of like a bit more exciting I love that think of your writer as your lover which I think is probably quite convenient when you're again with this uh with this calendar um (laughs) this wall calendar that you're trying to quite ambitiously schedule the guy time the Kate time the family time (laughs) the lover time time. time. this I'm like this is my writing don't worry (laughs) (laughs) yeah it might look a bit strange but (laughs) Who knows? It could work. (laughs) Oh, Kate, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I feel like I've learned so much from talking to you. Oh, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. I feel like I've had some alonement just having this lovely recording (laughs) with you. It's been been really, uh, really fascinating and fun. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Kate. Hey, guys, I really hope you're enjoying the show. While this particular episode may have come to an end, the conversation is just beginning. Head over to alonement.com to hear more about Alonement and sign up to our free monthly newsletter. You can also follow us on Instagram at alonementofficial. Oh, and remember that sharing is caring. 
So if you got something from this episode, why not share with a friend who you think might benefit from listening? A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 